I am reading Psalm 13, page 490 of the Bible. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God, give light my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemies will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Our next reading comes from Romans 8, verses 31 to 39, page, on page 1042. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How will he not, also with him, grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is, who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, because of you, we have been put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than victorious through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that not even death or life, angels or rulers, things present, present or things to come, hostile powers, height or depth, or any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Chris, and thank you, Emily. Uh, we're going to be looking at Psalm 13, uh, so I'll find it with you and then tell you what page number it's on when I get there. Psalm 13, page 490. It'd be great if you've got it open in front of you. Psalm 13 is a psalm that teaches us how to be sad well. Uh, it's a psalm of faith, and it is written from the bottom of the valley of the shadow of death. Uh, and so let's pray that God would teach us how to trust him through dark days that we go through in life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the book of Psalms and thank you for the extremes of human emotion that it explores and expresses. You have promised that even in the darkest days of our lives, you are there with us. Teach us how to see you in those times. Pray to you in those times. And trust you to carry us through those times. Amen. Uh, 
What can you say to God when you're going through a dark night of the soul? What is a dark night of the soul? A, a dark night of the soul are those times where you are in agony, you are hurting, you're feeling frustrated, confused. And as you talk to God, you just feel like he's not listening. You're more aware of uh, God's absence than you are of his presence. Uh, you're more conscious of God's inaction than you are of his care and his protection. Uh, you're frustrated by his timing. And it just feels like wave after wave just crashes over you. And when things feel like they can't get any worse, something tragic like your dog dies, and you just think, where are you, God? How do you speak to him in those times? Can you speak to God? Well, Psalm 13 is a gift to us. In fact, the book of Psalms are a gift to us when we go through dark days. The Bible doesn't make any excuses about the fact that life will have its dark times. There will be ups and there will be downs. And in those down times, the Psalms are a great place to turn. Uh, one third of the book of Psalms, uh, there's 150 of them, so 50 of the Psalms are laments. And a lament is just a, a person calling out to God, expressing their confusion, their frustration, their anger, their disappointment in God to God. So the Psalms are God's words given to us to say back to him, to help us make sense of the confusing and difficult times of life. And Psalm 13 is one of the best of those. It's a classic lament psalm. It's interesting to think, why would you do this at the start of the year? You know, the start of the year holds all the promise of New Year's resolutions and turning over a new leaf and, and a new start and a new beginning. But we know that there are ruts that we go through in life. Psalm 13 is not going to get you out of that rut. Psalm 13 is going to help you travel with your hand in God's through the ruts of life. Our big idea for today is that we need to learn to trust God by telling Him how we see it, and we need to learn to trust God by seeing it how He tells us. By it, I just mean life, I mean circumstances, I mean a relationship that's difficult, a season in life that won't come to an end. So we need to learn to trust God by telling Him how we see it, and we need to learn to trust God by seeing it how he tells us. The psalm breaks up nicely for us into two sections. So the first section, verses 1 to 4, we'll be thinking about that idea of trusting God by telling him how we see life. And verses 5 to 6, we'll be thinking about how to begin to see life the way God tells us. So let's begin with our, our first point, uh, trusting God by learning to tell him how you see life. Do you know that you can tell God anything? You can tell God anything that's on your heart or mind. And it's not like when you tell God your frustration or your anger or your disappointment at Him. It's not like it takes Him by surprise. You actually think that about me? God knows our thoughts. And what He wants us to do is to express them to Him, to pour them out to Him. Not to bottle them up inside, but to voice them. I'm not sure if you've ever seen the show on ABC called You Can't Ask That. The basic premise of the show is that they get on the show people who are living in the extremes of life. So an ice addict or someone who is terminally ill. And the audience are allowed to ask questions 
that you just can't ask, but everyone wants to know the answer to? Well, Psalm 13 is the you can't ask that of the Bible. It's asking the questions you might have thought you were never allowed to say to God. And what is that question that just comes up again and again? It dominated the start of the psalm. Psalm 13, how long? Four times David asks it in the first two verses. How long, O Lord? How long, how long, how long? You see, David is facing triple trouble. He's uh, in trouble with God. Verse 1, he feels like God's forgotten him. Worse than that, 1b, he feels as if God has actually turned away from him and is ignoring him. He's in trouble in himself. Verse 2, he's storing up anxious concerns within agony in his mind. His mind has no rest day after day. He's in trouble, verse 2b, with his enemies. How long will my enemies dominate me? Have you asked God that question yet? How long, O Lord? Or where are you, God? Or why me, God? Or don't you care, God? You know, you, you imagine that those are the kind of questions that it's okay to write in the intimacy of a, a personal journal with God. You know, you can write those things there. Or maybe you could sing a song or a, a psalm like this. It might be okay to sing that when you're sitting at home on the couch, eating a tub of ice cream, crying to yourself. You know, they're the places to ask God these questions. But let me show you how the superscript of the psalm, the, the little writing at the top, is part of the psalm and it enriches what we're reading here. So it's not the title that the, the translators have given it, a plea for deliverance, but the next bit. It tells us these words are for the choir director, a Davidic psalm. That is... These sad words, these you-can't-ask-that-questions, are for the choir of Israel, the, 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 temple, uh, the temple choir. This was a song that all Israel was meant to sing together. It wasn't something you did in isolation, but something that the people of God were meant to sing, uh, that they were meant to continue singing throughout the ages. And you and I today, this, the Psalms are God's songbook, we're meant to continue saying together. Because you might not be in the place that David is when he's writing this, but someone sitting around you is. And one day you might be there too. So the Psalms is for all God's people to say together. In the field of counseling, part of the process of healing is learning to express in words, finding the words to express the deep feelings and emotions in our hearts, the confusion and frustration. Learning to articulate that is part of the healing journey. Well, here in this psalm, God has given us the words to articulate and express those deep emotions of the heart. As we say these words together, God will teach us how to have faith even at the bottom of the deepest, darkest valleys. You know, people who don't know what it's like to live in relationship with God will often say things like, well, true faith must be never doubting. But you and I know, who've walked with God, that true faith is having faith even while you're doubting. Because doing what David is doing here, telling God the way you see it, pouring out your heart to him, well, that is such an act of deep, deep faith. Let me show you how, uh, and imagine that you are the one who's praying this prayer. Imagine this is your journal, these are your words that you've written. 
and imagine that you are praying this prayer to God. Verse 1, you pray to a God who seems like he's forgotten you. You pray and pray, but he pays no attention. Worse than that, you pray and you feel like he's looking the other way. So verse 2, you tell him how you feel. You tell him that your heart is aching, your mind is turning over. You tell him that your enemies are dominating you. And then what do you do? Verse 3, well, you go and pray. Who are you praying to? You're praying to the God who's not listening, the God who's turning away, the God who doesn't care. Why would you keep doing that? Well, because you know there's nowhere else you can go. There's nowhere else to find help in that sort of time. And it's terrible logic, isn't it, to keep going back to someone who seems like they're not listening. But it's wonderful faith. It's rich and deep faith. You can take your concerns, your worries, your broken heart and pour it out to God. And it's exactly what, you, what he wants you to do. You might be screaming out at the sky, but that is faith. You might be staring blankly at a Bible, unable to read, but longing for God to give you a word, to speak into you, into your situation. And that is faith. You might call up a friend and ask to meet and talk about what's really deep down inside you. And that is faith. Real faith just keeps on going back to God. The famous English preacher Charles Spurgeon tells a story about a woman in his congregation who he calls called Mrs. Much Afraid. Mrs. Much Afraid was always doubting, always doubting that she lacked hope, lacked faith, uh, doubting her position or her security before God. Even though she had uh, 50 years of of the fruits of, of real genuine faith, she was faithful in worship at church on Sunday, She loved and cared for her neighbors. She was even willing to talk to uh, people about God who didn't yet believe in him. Well, one day she came to Mr. Spurgeon and she announced that she feared she had no hope at all. No faith. In fact, she she thought that she was a hypocrite. And so Mr. Spurgeon said to her, well, why don't you stop coming to church because this is not a place for hypocrites. And she said, I can't do that. I love the people of God. I I love gathering with God's people. I need to sing to God. I I need to come to worship. And so he pulled out his wallet and he said, well, here's five pounds. It's all I've got. Uh, I'll buy your hope from you. She looked at him perplexed. She said, I wouldn't sell my hope for a thousand worlds. Here's Mrs. Much Afraid. Her words are saying what her heart and mind are feeling. But her action is showing that she has a deep, deep faith. She just keeps coming back to God. And so as you go through the dark valleys of life, as you go through hardships and difficulties, it's in those times at the bottom of the valley that you will find in yourself the fruits of deep and genuine faith that you are still looking up to God. And perhaps that is why God lets us go through those dark days. I reflect on teaching my kids how to swim. I keep stepping back from them and I I step back and I step back so that they will keep swimming towards me and and learning and growing to keep coming towards me. And sometimes God will do that. He will let you go through a valley so that you will keep reaching out to him. If you could plot the course of your life, um, this is what I'd do. Earth, heaven. But what does God do? Earth, 
valley, mountain high, valley, mountain high. We go all over the place. And it's in those dark and challenging days that we see the faithfulness of God and, uh, and we show the sincerity of our faith. And so that helps us come to our second point, which is trust in God by learning to see life how God tells you. Uh, verse 5 in our psalm marks a really significant transition or turning point in this psalm. There's, uh, there's that naughty song, uh, I Like Big Butts. Uh, that song is okay if you're talking about the big butts of the Bible. Because the big butts of the Bible hold some of the great theology for us. Uh, my kids find that song very funny in the movie Sing. Uh, but that, that, the, that theology is so rich. Think about uh, Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, here in Psalm 13, we have one of the great butts of the Bible. And in fact, it's such a big transition that some of the translators of the Bible, some Bible scholars, they actually suggest that maybe David's circumstances had changed. In fact, they say he had had to have changed. Otherwise, he couldn't have written something like this. But that is to treat this psalm as just a work of human literature. It's to deny that it is the word of God and just to let it speak for itself because it doesn't look back. It keeps looking forward. David kept looking forward. He was still in the dark place. And it gives comfort to you and I that even in those dark places, there is hope and there's a chance for a but and a turnaround as we look to God. But David says in verse 5, I have trusted in your faithful love. David begins by asserting the certainty of God's love. He says it's even more certain than the circumstances of his life, even more certain than how he feels about how things are going. Take a look with me in verse 5. He says, But I have trusted in your faithful love. The word that we have there, faithful love, is uh, in the Hebrew original language, the word hesed love. Here's a few other ways that translators have translated it. They've called it, I have trusted in your unfailing love. I've trusted in your steadfast love. I've trusted in your loving kindness. I've trusted in your mercy. I've trusted in your grace. Perhaps we'll see how much more certain God's hesed love is when we explore other places in the Bible where it's spoken of. In Exodus chapter 34, uh, God's hesed love is spoken of. You might remember in the story of the Exodus, Exodus 32 is the great moment of spiritual apostasy or adultery where God's people made a golden calf. Moses is up the hill on Mount Sinai talking to the living God and down beneath God's people make a calf and start bowing down and worshipping it. It's the equivalent of having an affair on your wedding night. It was atrocious and God kept reminding his people of what they'd done in that time. But in the midst of it all, God speaks to his people and then he calls Moses back up the moment, uh, back up the mountain, sorry, and he says, This is who I am, this is my character. He explains his name in Exodus thirty four, and he says this He says, The Lord, the Lord, the gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in Hesed love. 
That is, God's love is always undeserved. It's always a gift to people who shouldn't have it, who don't deserve it, uh, and have no right for it. It's a gift of his mercy and his compassion and his kindness. You may have found yourself in a dark place in life because of something that you've done. You may think that God could never forgive you for what you've done. Well, God's Hesed love is never deserved and it's always a gift. God's Hesed love reaches down to the bottom of the barrel and scrapes you and I up from there and brings us back into relationship with the living God who is compassionate and gracious. God's love is never, it's, nothing is ever too far from God's love. Remember that this psalm was written by King David, the adulterous king who killed the husband of his lover. At the beginning of the psalm, David speaks about that feeling of feeling like he might be forgotten by God. Do you know that in the Bible, there's only one thing God says that he'll forget? The only thing he says he'll forget is the sins of those who turn in repentance and faith to the Lord Jesus. That's the kind of love that you want to trust in and turn to and can have confidence in in the dark places of life. Well, a second place where God's Hesed love is described is once again by David in Psalm 23, the most famous psalm of the Bible. After speaking about knowing that even in the valley of the shadow of death, God is there with David, David says these words in verse 6 of Psalm 23. He says, Surely goodness and Hesed love will follow me or pursue me all the days of my life. The image of what God wants us to take from that verse is that God's goodness and God's love are like two special God-ordained agents whom God has sent out to pursue you and to get you no matter what. You've got special agent goodness and special agent love and they're after you. They're watching over you. They're around the corner. They're over the next hill. They're waiting outside your home. You may not think they're there, but they are there and they are watching you and they will pursue you and they will get you. Just like Naomi was saying, God's never ending, never failing, always and forever love. That is God's love and it is out to get you. That's the kind of love you can trust in in the dark places of life. God's love that is undeserved and God's love that is unrelenting, unyielding, and it will get you. That is the kind of love we can trust in in the dark valleys of life. And that's why David's demeanor, his manner, begins to turn around in this dark place. Verse 5 continues, he says, But my heart rejoices, will rejoice in your deliverance. David hasn't yet been delivered, but he knows the God who he's trusting for deliverance. And he knows the stories of deliverance from his past, the stories of God's faithfulness. And I hope that you know them too. And it's why, boys and girls, that it's important that mum and dad read you the Bible and you learn the Bible stories. So you know about the Exodus. You know when one million Israelite refugees were standing on the banks of a river of the sea, the Red Sea, and they faced drowning on one side, they faced an army on the other, and God delivered them. And God will deliver you, and he will deliver your mum and dad. He will deliver all of us, uh, because that is what he does. He can deliver us from trouble. Not only that, you know the story of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know Jesus, the one who 
uh, knew of God turning away from him. In fact, more than turning away from him, God the Father turned his face against him and in judgment on the cross. Jesus was the one who knew that his enemies would triumph over him. Uh, Jesus' enemies went home on Good Friday night victorious. Their enemy was in the grave. Jesus was in the grave. Jesus closed his eyes in the sleep of death. But God delivered him. Not even death can separate us from the love of God, as Chris read to us before. God's love that we trust in, God's unfailing Hesed love, is more certain for us who trust in Jesus because we know that not even death can separate us from it. And so we can have great confidence in the dark moments that he is with us and he will deliver us. Well, David knows who he's trusting and so he concludes in verse 6 with singing. He says, verse 6, I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. I've got a friend who's suffered a great deal in his Christian walk, more than I have. And I remember talking to him uh, in one of the dark times of his, his walk. And I asked him if he was reading his Bible. And he said to me, I can't read my Bible. All I can do is sing. And I hope that you have songs, hymns, songs that we sing here in church, old children's songs you might have learnt as a young one, that you've got them stored in your heart and kept away in your head to bring out in times where you feel like you can't open a Bible, but you can still sing one of those songs that reminds you of God's truth. Humans have a funny way of doing that. We sing when we're in those dark places, when we don't know what else to do. As the Titanic was sinking, the band on the Titanic played the song, Nearer My God to Thee. I remember the leader of the, the Bali Nine group, the convicted uh, drug dealer, Andrew Chan, he led those on death row in the song Amazing Grace as they walked to their end. That is, God gives us the gift of song to sing to him and to lift our hearts. And as we do that, we will be reminded of God's goodness and we can keep trusting him through the dark moments of life. Well, God only knows when the next dark night of the soul is coming my or your way. But maybe you're in one at the moment or maybe you're coming out of one. My prayer has been that Psalm 13 will have equipped you to know how to trust God as you walk through those valleys of life. Trust God by learning to tell him how you see it. Tell him anything. Tell him what's on your heart. Pour out your hearts to him. And trust God by learning to see things how God tells you. Remembering to trust in his unfailing love, his hesed love that is undeserved and unrelenting. You can trust that and you can trust that God will be with you and he hasn't necessarily promised to lift you out of this, but he will go through dark days with you. And ultimately, we know for certain that he will deliver us, even if it's on the other side of the grave because he has overcome death in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is our great hope. God gave us this psalm not just to sit on and meditate on and think about, but he gave it to us to speak, speak to him and speak to one another. And so that's what we're going to do to finish our time together. We're going to say together Psalm 13. Uh, in fact, we're going to pray it, Psalm 13, and then we're going to respond to verse 6 
by standing and singing two songs declaring God's faithfulness and love. So take up your black Bible, page 490, and we're going to say together Psalm 13. I'll invite the musicians to come forward. Let's pray together. Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me, agony in my mind every day? How long will my enemy dominate me? Consider me and answer, Lord my God. Restore brightness to my eyes, otherwise I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have triumphed over him. And my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. Amen.